Tēnei mai haere mai ki tēnei hōtaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Today, Friday, Twitter has failed to respond to a question from New Zealand's Cyber Security Agency. It's emerged that a New Zealand white nationalist group has rejoined Twitter. We discussed that just after four. Nothing gets people riled up as waiting on the phone. Chris Finlayson randomly uh, brought it up yesterday in uh, what might be described as an outburst. <laughs> it was. <laughs> we talk about that today. Not Chris Finlayson, the research. Uh, yes, indeed, the average wait time for taxpayer funding fund, funded agencies was about double the time when calling private businesses. How about that? Why? Also, rainwater tanks should be mandatory on all new builds in Aotearoa, so says an opinion piece. Are you on tank rainwater? And we didn't get to this yesterday, but we do today. An article in the Washington Post why you should almost always wash your clothes on cold. And I thought, no, because it does not get your clothes clean. Who washes in cold? Text me, 2101. Email the panel at rnz.co.nz. We have someone uh, who has been washing their clothes a certain way for 50 years. Which way is it, cold or hot? With me this afternoon, Cindy Michener, Executive Director of Michener & Associates, Advertising and Marketing, Search and Recruitment. Cindy, it's been a long time. Lovely to have you back. Well, thank you very much for having me back, Wallace. How are you? I'm absolutely marvellous. Also to the artist formerly known as Professor of Chemistry at AUT, <laughs> Professor... Adam Blackman, lovely to have you here. Hi, Wallace, good to be here. And more importantly, as importantly, mm. how are you? Yeah, well, it hasn't been a great week, I guess, because I have been let go from AUT. So, um, yeah, I've had better weeks, folks, but, um, yeah, onwards and upwards, I guess. Take this as an opportunity, okay? Anybody out oh, there... you're a recruiter. Yeah, I'm a recruiter, <laughs> you know? Let's stand by. Anyone out there this that needs be a professor of chemistry, we happen to have one, you know? There'll be no fee involved. I just want to help Alan. You messages know? But of, seriously, there must okay. be people out there. Well, messages to support, Alan, because you're a... A, you're an amazing guy, you're a great communicator, and we really like you here, so all the best, <laughs> keep on Thank coming you. around, uh, and uh, it's great that you're on Friday's panel. Kia ora. All right. uh, thanks, heaps. Now, uh, j- <clears throat> jumping into the Friday mailbag um, uh, on the insane prices uh, in New Zealand, we got a lot of response on this yesterday, $1,000 return on some domestic flights. Lorraine says... Wallace, um, because I, I, I actually had Chris Finlayson on. He really complained about this. And uh, I said, um, just give them a break. And Lorraine says, you can't restart an airline in a hurry. They have had to bring back planes from storage in the desert, get them maintained and tested up to safety standards. Air New Zealand are training people as fast as they can, including pulling out pilots from flying so they can train other pilots. I think the public has to give Air New Zealand a break. What the public doesn't understand is that running an airline is a complex business. All airlines around the world are experiencing the same difficulties. Thoughts? That's absolutely true. Lily, you know. No, Lily, my daughter, is in Switzerland, (laughs) okay, and she's finally coming home. One way 
from Switzerland to Auckland is six thousand seven hundred euro. Hang on, oh, so it's nearly euro, ten thousand, eleven thousand dollars. And no, and oh, I mean yes, it is economy. Oh, jeez. Good. It, I that's, mean, it's, oh, that's it. Sorry, that's left me speechless. God. How does anybody afford it? Well, guess what? She, she texted me and said, oh, you know, I'm, I've got 10 hours in Hong Kong duty-free. That'd be great. I won't have a red cent. <laughs> you know, it's every red cent she's Golly. got. So it's not just Air New Zealand. No. All no, no. airlines, right. and, and and it's just a matter of cat, catching up. Shit, I hope your Christmas dinner's going to be spectacular. Well, no, she's not coming oh. home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> they were really expensive pre-Christmas. Oh, no. Alan, ever... Tried uh, to fly anywhere recently? No, uh, no, actually not recently at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I take the point that um, they have had all these planes and storage and stuff and you've got to get them up and running and everything. And, um, you know, it's just great that they are up and running again and that everything is sort of getting back to the way that it was pre-2020. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a big supporter of in New Zealand. I think they do, a, they do a pretty great job. It sounds like Chris Finlayson had a bad day yesterday. He seemed to be complaining about a lot. No, no, we love, our, we love Chris. We, 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 we give him a bit of a hard time, but it's only in jest. We, we love having him on the panel. but uh, yes, no, he's indeed. good. Uh, now, uh, let's move on. On Finland, Rob says, having visited twice, because we talked about Finland and the indices, just why are they at the top, including in the education stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob says, having visited twice and with three friends, in my opinion, three main differences. One, they pay tax. <laughs> Two, they are a community rather than an individual-focused society. And three, they follow rules rather than, like Kiwis, find ways to break them. Oh. <laughs> so that's interesting. Isn't it? I don't know if, ever you, if you have been to Finland. I have got a Finnish brother-in-law, actually. And I can count to ten and finish. Well, there you go. There's That's another Coleman. string to your bow. <laughs> Multi-talented folks, I honestly. Know. You know. Professor of chemistry and can count to ten and finish. Ever the recruiter. This is the full package. Am I able to put you on the spot this afternoon? Ixi, kaxi, kolmi, neljavisi, kusi, setsum and kardex and edex and kimimim. There we go. Sounds very hip hop, doesn't it? <laughs> well done, well done, very cool. The only thing I can remember about Finland, and this is dreadful, <clears throat> is that Monty Python skit. Although, am I just too old? Oh, Does anyone remember it? You know, they were in Finland. And they, no, okay. I don't know that one. No, okay, move on. Uh, <laughs> down memory lane, uh, I asked who can recall the high interest rates of the 1980s. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, quite a few people uh, emailed <laughs> in. First mortgage rate, 18, 18%. The second mortgage was 26%. <laughs> but the value of the house was twice the husband's annual salary. Sheesh. Okay. Still very difficult. It's way worse now, says this person. Son has a million dollar mortgage, put 300k cash on the house as house deposit, which was hard earned and saved. Three children as well for him. His property value now. So, do you recall? The days of the high. Yeah, well, I was just, oh God, I don't know, sort of early 20s, I guess, in, the, in those days. And um, I can remember, you know, trolling along to the BNZ or whatever it was in those days and, and, and putting a term deposit down for like 20-something percent or something ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I've actually got a funny story. I bought my first house off the then Minister of Finance, Mr... 
Roger Douglas, yeah. and the bank wouldn't give me. It was a flat, <laughs> and the bank would not give me a loan, even though I protested. And Mr. Douglas, why wouldn't they give you a loan? Oh, you know, I don't know. I think I was twelve. You know, I wasn't terribly old, and I <laughs> don't think I. Oh, I think I was. Yeah, school teacher. You know, just and no savings. And so, Mr. Douglas, the real estate agent, went along to the. Uh, Parliament took me along and he picked up the contract, added another $20,000 onto the purchase price of the flat and said he would fund it. No. I, I couldn't work it out, so no. I said fine. Wow. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> it was perfect. Good There's a story. Right. Yeah, well, a true story. Good grief. Amazing. Wow. Uh, Friday, Mabu, what else? Uh, we also talked about coming into retirement. Uh, with very little. It's an increasing issue. We discussed that this week on the panel. We've got quite a response on this. Um, here's one. I'm 74. I don't have a mortgage, but cannot afford to live in my own home. The cost of living is sliding me steadily backwards. I had savings until they were lost in the financial crisis uh, and health issues left me with only my super. So I'm still having to work to stay above water at 74, my next step will be a reverse mortgage. Oh, no. Uh, no. Trevor says, I'm 70. I have very little. I live on a bit of road by a reserve in private land. I could be squatting, I guess. I'm still working. I have a small lawn mowing round. It just helps me out a little bit, but I still have to run books and pay public liability. But I do keep active. Uh, here's one here. Uh, I'm facing exactly this frightening financial scenario with a marriage breakdown at the age of 57, brought on at least partly by stress of COVID situation and partner's loss of job. I do feel at a disadvantage as a woman, despite having worked at least part-time throughout family raising. It's very scary. Don't say my name from Central Otago. Well, I mean, I, so uh, you, doing a tough you know, the whole concept of retirement, superannuation, etc., really needs to be looked at. Um, if you have no savings at all, you are facing a really mm. dire situation. I think, didn't Mary Holmes say that there was some good value in those reverse mortgages for, you know, the right situation? The right situation, mm. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and look, we, we, we bring this up later, um, cold wash, yeah. uh, Paula says, I was a staunch cold wash person until I realised this was ruining my cotton sheets. Discoloured and didn't feel washed. Since switching to warm or hot, it's much better. We discuss later on <laughs> in the programme. <laughs> All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Cindy Michener, take it away. What's your IBT? Okay, I've been thinking about the situation with the student nurses and them having to do their, um, what do they call it, the uh, practical work in the hospital. So uh, mainly because a, a friend of ours has got a daughter and she's been studying nursing at Auckland University. And so part of the requirement is uh, 1,100 hours of practical work in hospital. But this is unpaid and it means that they can't get paid employment over the holidays. Um, so they can't be saving up for their fees. There are other costs like, you know, not every student is just sort of straight out of school, you know, some with childcare, transport. And this is quite a major contributor to the high dropout rates. I mean, it's obviously harder for lower socioeconomic people. And, you know, we're trying to attract more Māori and Pacifica into uh, nursing. I mean, and it just 
compounds the whole nursing shortage. And it just, you know, Shane Retty said that if we pay them, you know, we've got to pay everybody. And, and Andrew Little says that he's looking at it. Looking at it this yeah, point, that's yes. Right. Yeah. So uh, this non-payment for hospital workplace, how, how, do, how do you fund yourself? Well, uh, in the case of my friend, she's lucky, you know, because she's still living with her parents, etc. But, I mean, it, it obviously has to be part of the money that you've already set aside for your education, which, you know, it's quite a differentiator. And if you look at the statistics about how many are dropping out, you know, how many start courses and then That's drop right. out. And it it's seems, been an issue. I know it's yeah, been an issue. Yeah. The, these are short-term tactical policies that are contributing to the big issue, which is not enough health workers, you know. Right. Very good. Cindy Michener, uh, Alan Blackman, I've been thinking. <clears throat> okay, so one of the um, only sensible things that Henry Kissinger ever said was that um, academic fights and disputes are so vicious because the stakes are so low. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I could absolutely concur with that after this week's um, happenings. So let's just take a hypothetical situation in which you have your employment contract which doesn't mention anything at all about let's say yellow shirts let's say okay and then let's say that your employer says mm, if you haven't worn a yellow shirt to work over the last three years then we might have to possibly make you redundant and um and we're going to implement that from tomorrow and um yeah so that's kind of what I've gone through, let's say, uh, in the past week. So retrospective key performance indicators, let's say. Um, and obviously I don't think it's particularly fair. The union also doesn't think it's particularly fair. They are going to the employment court on, I believe, December the 15th. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to have a process. You can't just call someone in and say, not liking the fact you haven't been wearing yellow shirts, see you later, alligator. Mm. You, can, you know, that that is, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a professor of chemistry or an advertising executive. Yeah. There is a process for terminations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely there is. And um, I think one side will say that they have followed that process and I think the other side will say that they haven't followed that process. So as seems to be usual in the law, it's open to interpretation. Well, you need consultations. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So who has been for the process of redundancy. Email me your stories. We will follow it up next week. The panel at rnz.co.nz. Alan Blackman, Cindy Michener, Power Better Friday. Lovely to be with you.